Hello everyone, welcome to Darren Matthews and Sometimes Friends, a podcast where I speak to people much more interesting than myself. Please enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to this edition of Darren Matthews and Sometimes Friends, as always advertised as the podcast where I talk to people much more interesting than myself. I'm joined today all the way from the, the sunny plains of Oma by one of the stars of the Deck Chair and Yums podcast and also the fantastic Best of the Best podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Connor Keys. Yeah, where's your sound effects? Uh, wait, I don't have one of those fancy ones you have. I don't have the the, ro- the roadcaster. Uh, other <laughs> other fancy podcasting gear is available. <laughs> yeah, and, and will it tell you way more than anybody actually needs? Do you know, know when you actually get something and you think, oh, this is going to be good? And then you look at it and go, I have no idea what yeah. any of this shit means. There's, there's no matter no, how many tutorials you watch, it just doesn't make any sense. It's got more processing <laughs> power than the fucking Apollo rocket. But then so did the Nokia oh, 3210, right. so it's fine. <laughs> In fairness, yeah. I mean, you think of what the, the, the high levels of Snake took us to. Exactly. Uh, when, snake, when Snake went color. Whoo! Yeah. I, I said, I was reading up about that. It was the thing about people were saying, oh, geez, if lockdown had happened, you know, 15 years ago, you would have had Snake. And I was like, I probably would have been fucking smarter because I would have actually read a book instead of just endlessly scrolling the fucking internet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it would have done us all a bit of a benefit if that had happened 20 years ago. Yeah. See, if you say 15, I'll say 20 because I'm obviously older. But <laughs> <laughs> then, then we would have been young enough to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So how's things with you? I'm all right, man. Uh, doing my usual thing of attempting to keep seeing and uh, occasionally exercise. Not too bad. At least, at least I have two dogs, so I have to go for a walk at least every day. And that's usually where I oh, you stick, have to. stick the headphones on and uh, enjoy one of your lovely podcasts or some of the other fantastic output that comes from the the other lads here in the the old uh, northern comedy scene. So it's good. Yeah, we, we're doing as a as a scene. Hey, we're doing quite we're doing quite well, aren't we? Um, yeah. Not bad for loads of lads. Certain... Can't do any fucking gigs. <laughs> can't do any gigs. But if you think of even the comedy scene from from you and I first started kicking around at the start of the whole thing compared to where it is today. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. Um, Pretty good. I was, I, progress. was on, I was on your first gig in Oma. Yes, me and Rui Woods were talking about in his podcast about, because I forgot you were on that. Mm-hmm. I actually thought you were hosting it. So that shows you how, how far up the ladder I thought you were, but it turns out, no, you were just another pleb like me. No, I, I hosted um, a different night. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was like, like a competition it. night. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's right. I, I that well, that that was a, a double thing for me because it was the first time, and any young comedian that's listened to this should know: never put your faith in a competition, or never let a competition judge how good you are or are not, because it's not fair. Because <laughs> that night, because that night, Neve Marn fucking tore the roof of the place. Yeah. But I just had to have all my friends and family there, and it was an audience vote. Yeah. So that's why uh, I've learned. And then I entered. Did you enter any of the competitions up around um, Ards and all them places? No, I never did any of those. Just uh, uh, I, think I was probably I was probably away by by the time that it all happened. I was only doing comedy a year before I emigrated. So, well, uh, you, you can't say emigrated if you're sitting in your home. Uh, temporarily fucked off. <laughs> you went the holiday. You, you went the holiday. You can't. <laughs> I went on a holiday and forgot to come back. Well, it is, it's called a working holiday visa, so I, I can't really correct you on that one. You you are correct. Um, <laughs> but that was good. The old uh, everyone always says it to me. It's like, why did you come back? And I was like, because I, I was having so much of a good time. I forgot to marry somebody for a visa. So... Yeah, I forgot to do the most 
the most essential fundamental thing to get you to stay here. Yeah, the most essential Irish thing you can do, which is find somebody who thinks your accent's yeah. sexy and just cling in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, that could be. You're, you're fucked around uh, Armada. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, what about you? How are you, um, how are you coping? Because obviously you were, you were like myself, you were a monthly host for a fucking comedy gig. So where do we go from here? Yeah, it was, uh, it was really... Uh, it's been really shit, to be honest with you. I mean, I think everybody's suffering, but I think comedians and musicians who don't have that outlet, um, I don't think it's good for society, to be honest with you. Comedians need to... Because what, what does society do with those people who are normally uh, trying to get strangers to love them? Yeah, um, whenever, whenever they're let loose and nothing to do, it's, it's a scary thing. So they end up coming up with podcasts and stuff, um, which is... Yeah, I know what happened to us. It was where we've just passed our one year anniversary there with the, the deck chair and yums with Mickey, Mickey B. And uh, I mean, it came about very randomly, as most things do with Mickey. It came about in the smoking area, um, standing outside the Empire. And he just was like, Here, do you want to do, do a podcast? Oh, yeah, all right, that's grand. Uh, that was as simple as that. And here we are a year later, and it's it's doing, it's doing pretty well. Like, and uh, I think, to be honest with you, I don't know about you, but I think it's kind of, it's not a it's not a good replacement for on stage, but it's as close as you can get in regards to a wee bit of therapy or I don't <laughs> think some sort of laughter. I don't think there's any replacement for being on stage. I, you know, I be putting no. stuff into, like I'm, uh, with my hurling team and or with my family, put stuff in, in the group chats and I always get the same reply, which is, you need to do a fucking gig because... We're like nobody. <laughs> nobody wants to hear your oh, what about that for a witty one later? No, nobody gives a fuck. Just go and get a gig. So, uh, but yeah, oh, well, I, we would we would take them in a heartbeat if we could get them. Absolutely, I'm just like I would. I'd bite your hand off for ten minutes at a fucking open mic at the minute. <laughs> I've done. I did a couple of the garden gigs last summer in Belfast uh, with Vittorio Angeloni, and I did one of the pre-recorded ones that uh, Shane Todd was doing the comedy by the show. Oh yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was really strange. It was like restarting comedy again because you're doing kind of new material and you're only doing it to five other comedians. So <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't taken the plunge in that one yet. I was lucky enough that we did a couple of nights at the Hatfield in around September time, and then there was a night in the limelight, which was pretty good to be to be fair, considering the social distancing sort of dropped the percentage of the audience down by about two thirds. Yeah, but. I haven't had the plunge of going into the Zoom stand-up gig. I just don't know if I could do it. I, really I, I have an actual Zoom gig uh, tomorrow. Now, right. I'm doing it because, uh, one, I miss my second income. <laughs> and <laughs> two, because um, I want to see... I think I'm only doing 20 minutes, but basically what happened was last summer there was... Um, kind of a mental health awareness, uh, a charity up here in Belfast. And they were like, can you do a bit on, on Zoom for me or like a Facebook Live? And, were, and I was like, what do, what do you have? And he says, well, we've got a guy doing like a DJ set for an hour and then I want you to do a half an hour. And I was like, number one, no. No. And then I says, number two, I says, I can't, I can't just do 20, some mater- 20 minutes of material to a webcam. I says, but what I can do is I can probably do a bit of a talk and throw some humor into it. So it, was, it became like sort of wee TED talk where it was, they turn on Facebook Live, it directs to your camera, and then you, you don't just start, because obviously you have to wait for people to come in to watch. 
Yeah. So I was I was literally sitting with my guitar, just being like, "Hey, folks, look, I'll be getting started shortly. So until then, just I'm just gonna play a few chords, and you know, I'm not gonna do a song. I'm not a musician, so I'm just gonna sort of pluck around here. And then when we get an acceptable amount of people, I'll just do a bit of a chat. So I, I sort of I used an excerpt, uh, sort of a wee bit out of the last show I did, which was called Fight and Fit, which was basically about me coming home from traveling and then just having the solid realization that I lived in Ireland again. <laughs> and it totally fuck with my head so i actually went and joined up uh i thought i would i needed to do something motivational to get me up and running again because like i used to work in gyms and play football and was quite fit and i just sort of got into a really bad slump in the winter time so i, I signed up for a white collar boxing i know you're uh you're a, a boxer yourself so all right yeah <laughs> well that's highly debatable For, uh, former boxer can you be a former boxer what, what, uh, what was what was my official title middle or novice champion uh um, sorry uh well, it's only when you see this is when we're talking about fake news. You need to dig a bit deeper than that. So I, I am, or I was the Middle Ulster uh, novice champion, undefeated, yet never fought. Explain. <laughs> because I was 17, I was under 18. And as you know, boxing goes by weight categories as opposed to yeah. anything else. So anybody over 18 was, was basically... Um, uh, an abuse of the Child Protection Act. So I could only fight people around my age the same weight as me. Unfortunately, there was nobody around my age the same weight <laughs> as me. So when I turned up for my first fight, I got a, I, there was nobody there to fight me. So I got a bye to the next round. Little did I know that you had to turn up for each round to see if there was a fighter. Yeah. Uh, the fighter, there was no fighter by the time I got to the quarterfinals. On the way to the semi-finals, there was a rumor of a fat fucker coming from Fermanagh. And, <laughs> but that never transpired. And then I made it all the way to the final, basically. And I, I won and was presented with the medal for a Middle Eastern Novice Champion. Undefeated, but never fought. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I wish the fuck that was a lie, but that is a true story. <laughs> yeah. He's even based on that. I've known you for years. I still wouldn't want you to fucking punch me. Do you know what I mean? So it's <laughs> well, that's that, that's that's not having to do with skill or that's just pure <laughs> physics. <laughs> that's just, uh, that behind it. <laughs> what is it? The, the, unstop, the unstoppable force hitting the very movable object. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if I get into a fight now, this stage, uh, just just don't, don't don't let me run at you. I. Be, you'll be all right. <laughs> Or just, or just dodge and watch you run off into the distance. Yeah, yeah. straight into a wall, just can't stop. <laughs> oh, man. But, um, yeah, I think, as you said, it's probably not a good idea to uh, have a bunch of comedians just sitting around their houses with no no outlet. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you're no. talking about... But you just said talk- there... You just talked about the white collar, or white collar boxing there, sorry, and I cut you off. But no, you're okay. Did you, say you're do- you're, did you say you're signed up again? No, no, no. I did it last year, and then I actually basically got oh, a yes. show out. That, I got a show out of it. That's that's the time I had the. Um, uh, I got real into it. Like I didn't, I didn't cut my hair and I didn't cut my beard for the, the whole eight weeks of training. So we're training three nights a week. Got myself in decent nick, um, or at least I thought I did. And I had no appreciation it's... of an actual boxer's fitness. I only had to fight three rounds. I'd say about an, a round and a half in, me and the Alboy were completely gassed. It's so like I haven't done it in fucking twenty years more, but. I, again, you used to look at footballers and go, you have no idea. You have no idea what it's like if you had to do three two-minute rounds. 
like football pitch, you're always able to, you know, obviously you're running, but you can take a wee walk and we straddle. That is just your mind, body constantly going. Yeah. That's why I have so much respect for obviously the professionals, but then the UFC as well, because that's <laughs> that's more than just watching shoulders and punches. You're looking for kicks and fucking oh it's mental. Yeah, so yeah. uh yeah. I think you have I just weird... like to watch the fights now. That's it. <laughs> yeah, you do have this weird thing as well. Um when you're actually in the ring, me talk this is all my experience of, of six rounds of getting punched in the head. Um you have this kind of weird thing where it's a, it's obviously a voice in your head where you get punched yeah. in the face and the, one of the voices goes, fuck, I was sore. And the other voice goes, shut up and focus, would you? Yeah. It's coming back. As a Tyson, <laughs> as a Tyson said, a Tyson had that quote or something, but every boxer has the strategy until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it goes out the window. Yeah. yeah. No, um, I did that basically. And then I, I got the, I got a show out of it, which was Fighting Fit, which I did in the black box, which was actually great fun. And then, um, so I just used a bit out of Fighting Fit, which is, it's kind of the, the more somber bit in the middle. So it doesn't look like I'm presenting as a piece of stand-up you yourself. I mean, you know, a club yeah. set's very different too. I'm going to do an hour-long show. You're like an hour-long oh, show. Yeah. An hour-long show is not bang, bang, bang. It's not like you're doing it the greatest hits of uh, of the club set of here's a story. How long are we doing? 20 minutes, right? I'll do that story, that story, that story, and finish on that. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, the other thing um, is as well. And, I, and I, prefer, I prefer the club environment and the, and the club setup in that sense. Same. You have a wee bit more freedom and a little less, um, little less expected of you in that sense. Where a show is, <clears throat> you're critiqued at all levels of it, you know. And I'm not saying you're not critiqued at the comedy club, but it's just comedy club gives you more freedom because you've had an MC out and they've done a bit of maybe crowd work and you've had, you know, so you're, you're sort of a better reading of the room than you do coming out cold or an hour, just yeah. I think it, we have that expectation as well, like because I've gigged loads of different places. I was doing a gig in um, I think it was Singapore and a guy was like, I saw your name in the poster, but I'd never heard of you. And I was like, that's good. Cause now you have absolutely no expectation. And yeah. the gig was, the gig was great. It. it was great fun. So I was like, it's kind of, you kind of feel the same if you ever do Edinburgh. Nobody has a clue who you are. Um, and you just go over and you just manage to get a couple of wee slots here and there. Um, I've never got to do a full show there. The closest I got was we ran a, the, the comedy bus in uh, Three Sisters in, in Edinburgh for uh, a whole summer or whole festival. And that was hectic enough. And that was just a compilation show when I was emceeing every day. But uh, I don't know how the guys, some of them guys over there were doing three shows a day and oh. and, a, and maybe two hours flyer and for each one and beforehand. You know, it was, it was a full on slog. But it felt like that when you were going there. Nobody knew who you were, so nobody had any expectation. Yeah. So it was a wee bit of pressure off you. No, it would have been nice to have my own show. Don't get me fucking wrong like that. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. Uh... weirdly enough, I've never, I've never done Edinburgh because some of the other lads have gone over. Guys like like Mickey Bartlett, who we know, and Robbie McShane. Those guys would have went over. And some people go, yeah, Edinburgh was good, made a few pounds. Or people go over and they say you're going to Edinburgh to become a better comedian, not to make a lot of money. Whereas the weird thing was, when I was back home, I flew to Australia and did two festivals and made money just because it was a it's a different environment kind of thing. You're just like, well, Edinburgh is the busiest yeah. comedy festival in the world, or the Fringe Festival. It's not just comedy. It's fucking all sorts of arts, dance, everything's yeah, on. It's a full arts thing, yeah. It's a full thing. So there's a lot more competition, whereas we went to Australia and uh, my mate lived out there. So it was very, it was very much a cost-effective thing where... The price of what the boys would have paid for rent of a flat in Edinburgh, I could fly to Aussie. Oh, yeah. Sleep on my yeah. cousin's oh, spare yeah. room. Serious. You know, that kind of way. Yeah. Serious but, money. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
So I said I made money. I remember. I remember. Low uh, key. <laughs> yeah, I remember Paul Curry um, before he made his move from the paid into the free fringe. And Curry, remember he had a he had a run the year, and he was telling us that he would have to sell out every single show in order to just lose a grand for the month. And then he switched over to the free fringe and then things kicked off for him in the hive where he kind of is almost like a resident now maybe three four. well <laughs> he was pre-lockdown i'm just talking yeah. as if lockdown didn't happen but that he sort of had the hive and the difference was unreal so there was a there was a lot of gamble for a comedian going over there and you would have to be very very committed to be honest with you financially you had to be you know and, and unfortunately I was going to say, unfortunately, I have children, but that's not what I meant to say. But unfortunately, having a family means that you're not really able to afford to go over and do that. That was a fantastic Freudian slip there. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I got me saved there. It was good. Thankfully, my wife listens to fuck all that I do. Um, so, yeah, that's good. She'll that's not good. know that that was said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not gonna fucking tell her either. But, um, in the hunt. Yeah, they see the other thing is as well is if, if those festivals don't happen again this year, or I mean, you're not doing your club, I'm not doing my two clubs. So what a what a pain in the bollocks. I move home, buy a house because I'm like, well, I've got I've got two clubs and they go and a full time job, I'll be sweet. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I no longer make the mortgage payment every month. But anyway, uh, yeah, then Corona had a different idea than you had. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I think but yeah, it, so many people have been uh, badly hit by it. But I mean, that's that that had to be really scary to be buying a house in the middle of it all, too. I was because the, the kind of the wheels were in motion, everything was on the way, and then it was just kind of like, kind of kind of moved in like we were sneaking in because it was sort of like after the <laughs> it was a, that was my hours exercise that day, lifting a fucking couch. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's the things you have to do, isn't it? I mean, it's it's. Uh, Life sort of has to go on, and you couldn't have stopped things in motion whenever just because of a lockdown. You know, it's, that's that's it. But at least now you can lock down in your own house. Yeah, true as well. It was um, I I do have the sort of space that I'm able to actually record in the in the um in the wee office thing. But that was one of the things I saw today, which can probably lead us on to a bit about the podcast chat, which was just just flicked on the TV just this morning while I was having a cup of tea to get ready to set up the chat to yourself, and it was uh. ITVs this morning and they were like phone in and tell us things that you're celebrating in lockdown and I was like oh fuck off <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not celebrating I'm surviving piss away off with you <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and I mean it's, yeah, there's very very little uh, positives have come out of that but for me personally there has been a few but I mean I, I don't know if you is there anything really to be celebrating? I'm hoping some people have gotten closer, maybe with family members. Some people probably have fallen out with more of family members, but I'm hoping that sort of thing might show to be a, a positive. But I don't know. I think in regards to people's sort of just their own their mood and their whole sanity, I think it's a wee bit. I don't think there's much to be celebrating, to be honest. No, mine's mine's more so. Uh, there's things I'm thankful for, but that's stuff that I already had. That maybe yeah, that thankful didn't, maybe a better word than yeah. I, I didn't appreciate enough, probably. Um, yeah. The other the other day, uh, one of the boys from uh, East Belfast, the 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 hurling uh, team I play for, basically said to me, "Do you wanna? We'll do the social distance thing. Do you wanna head down towards the docks, bring the dogs? We'll take the dogs for a walk and have a cup of coffee." And the difference that made to my day because it was a day off and. Yeah. 
yeah. two days off last week and it, it dumped rain for two days and I just sat in the house feeling fucking terrible. <laughs> and the in, industry uh, se- industry secret people comedians are usually depressive bastards. <laughs> Usually, yeah, quite. Uh, it's, it's, I think my wife and my daughter always get asked the same question. Oh, your dad was real funny at home, and they both are like, "No, absolutely not." <laughs> There's no. Yeah. Uh, I think that's. I think that's always been the sort of. It's kind of become a, a cliche now, isn't it? That the comedian is supposed to be the 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 life and soul of the party, and the reality is, they're usually not. No, absolutely. They're usually not. watching. They're usually watching other people observing, and then going to take the piss out of them on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I'm definitely not. I've always, I've always kind of been that guy. I have I have an older brother who I would maintain is much funnier than me, but he can't do what I do. Can yeah. We? Oh, I mean, Jesus. I, I've said this to so many comedians. Every comedian knows at least five guys in their own circle that are way funnier than they are. Oh, yeah. Way funnier. And actually, probably if, if, the, if the comedian's any good, he'd be proactively discouraging them from ever going on stage because I would like them not bad. Yeah. <laughs> If you're a good friend, don't let him fucking over. Yeah, if you were a good friend, don't let him get on stage because you're never <laughs> going to get on again. Uh, just steal his material and don't tell him that he said it when he was drunk. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, fuck, I, didn't, I never thought of that. I'm going to start recording conversations. Oh, wait, record. that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's all you do. Just record your drunk mates and uh, you'll get a career out of it. Yeah, by drunk mates, you of course mean Mickey Bartlett, which is why you've got a fucking podcast. Yeah, well, that's basically the podcast press record. That's all you have yeah. to do. <laughs> and then you've got it. Which is kind of what happens with Mickey. I mean, it's it's uh, somebody did ask us somewhere, somebody else does a podcast asks, you know, do do we sit down with bullet points or do we have uh, ideas or and I'm like, no, we literally hit record. And after about the first six or eight weeks, I said, because Mickey would always come down, do what he normally does, which is if you've if you've gigged with Mickey, you know that in the smoking area, he'll always say, "Here, is this funny?" And then he'll do a bit, which and inevitably uh, is always funny. But and f- coming down to me, they always say, "Here, is this ad funny?" And he'd tell me the ad, and I'd laugh. But then about six to eight weeks, I was like, "Don't tell me even the ad. Let me react to it just as you say it." So yeah. and so we we literally don't even plan anything. We don't even plan the ad. He thinks about it on his journey down the road, and then we just record and that's it so but i'm blessed i mean i i'm sitting with you know and this is no slight none of the wrestling but i would say up there was being one of the best in the country um and you're just you're just bouncing off <laughs> just thanks very much Keith. it's nice to have you on the podcast too just really glad yeah, you're in the i wish we all could say that we could give bartlett a run for the money but there's very few there's a few that can but very few Oh, absolutely. No, uh, it's good. I mean, it's, it's as you say, it's good content as well. I tend to find myself, because I do these as an interview podcast, it's all bounce. People will say something and there's no point in me having any points written down because I'll probably do the first two points. I, I did try it. I did like the first two points and then somebody said something and I went, oh, fuck yeah, here, while you're there. And we yeah. just, <laughs> so my That's podcast, the tangent, are, yeah, the tangent the tangents go all over the place. So yeah. Yeah, and the crack was great. Like I did one with. Um, well, your your job as host is to make sure it all comes back neatly at the very end, and you do yes. a nice call back. So no pressure on you. I'm just letting you know that. No, no, I I always manage to I always manage to pull out of the bag. I do I do the Billy Connolly where I wander off, forget what I was talking about, and go yes before you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fat fucker from Man. Remember him? Yes. Um, <laughs> but I mean that no, led you into, into doing your podcast, but. Was the plan always to do the two podcasts? That's the one no. I want to know. No. 
<clears throat> myself and Ronan, um, uh, me and Ronan, we've been friends since um, school days. And uh, basically the best of the best is is what you would have normally f- found in the pub in Oma, us two drunk usually and talking shit about films and music and TV. So we had talked about it for a long time and then the opportunity came up last I was going to say last summer, I forget how I, we blanked all last year, the year before last. Uh, in the August time, we just, the opportunity came up with equipment that was part of a project thing. We said, right, listen, we'll do it. We'll see how it goes and, and we'll, we'll take it from there. And then we have, we've got, we've got a decent, you know, decent following and people, people like it because it's not time bound. It's not topical. Um, it's, it's topical, but it's not topical news or anything. So it's not, you can listen in at any time and you're not going to be lost. Um, we've had some people be over the moon that they've managed a, a reason or an incentive to watch older stuff again that they hadn't seen in a while. Um, but yeah, it's just basically being two nerds. I like, do, do, you have a, do you have a nice appreciation for when people go, when people actually realize that best of the best is a movie? Not too many have said to us yet, but I think they sort of assumed that, yeah, they realized, I, I hoped <laughs> our listeners knew that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, best of the best. And we were going to do best of the best as a film, but I said we couldn't do best of the best before we do Bloodsport. Uh, also, just, there's, is there not about five best of the best movies as well? So uh, Yeah, there's only, how, there's how only best, the one. How best can they be? <laughs> Unless it's got Chris Penn shouting, dropping like a toilet seat, Tommy, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. count. That's right. Uh, is, I'm trying to think, is, that, is Eric Roberts in those as well? Or Eric he's, Roberts, yeah. Is he in the sequels? Uh, I, I haven't actually watched that in a long time either. I'm just going to take a look. But yeah, that's where the, that's where the initial sort of uh, idea came from. But it was supposed to be our best. That was the point of it. And gotcha. it's, uh, you know, it wasn't based on any list or anything together. It's just... We kind of, the two of us will be very similar in regards to TV and movies, but way, 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 way apart from music. So it was hard to find the common ground and most of them are pretty um, generic enough that, that most people would appreciate. We yeah. definitely don't go into his madness and he doesn't go into my cheesiness. So yeah, I was going to say, user user in the broad spectrum of soul all the way to Slayer. So. All the way to Slayer, yeah. <laughs> And Slayer's probably mild compared to some of the shit he listens to. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I, I like both those things, so I'm not too bad. I'm, I'm uh, yeah. coming from my background of playing in bands and DJing, and, all, and my music taste is, I would go so far as to say fucking stupid. You know what I mean? My, mine's would be, but my, the heaviest would be Metallica. I wouldn't go any heavier than that. I don't. Okay. Uh, I do I do get fascinated by it, and I always say to him too, especially the drumming, and you would know as a drummer as well, like the drumming sometimes just, absolutely amazes me and I like I would have to watch it live on you know I'd have to watch them doing it to understand what the fuck's going on because when I'm listening to it I don't know what's happening I don't know how all those beats are happening and then obviously you see it live as you double pedals and all that crack but when I'm listening I'm going I can, I can barely keep a four beat like what is that boy doing <laughs> yeah I've seen I've seen videos you were singing you just sort of tap on the foot <laughs> come on you can do uh, this <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah, because I do sing in a band as well. So I mean, and and um, I have a weird thing. I'm trying to cut it out. I used to do it in stand up, where my feet would sort of shuffle from side to side. But somebody said to me after the first time they seen me with the band, they were like, "What? Why is that a wee dance?" And I was like, "No, that's me counting." 
That's me keeping the beat, yeah. <laughs> counting the time on my feet. But it's just my two feet, just going side to side, and I need to get that out and figure out another way of doing that. But yeah, um, yeah. I have this weird thing. What I do sometimes when I'm listening to music, I my left foot will tap, but I don't. I don't tap my foot. I kind of just move my heel up and down, and it's it's replicating basically my hi hat from when I was a, a teenager. Ah, uh, yeah. It's because you yeah. would have just clicked on the hi hat to be like that's that's the count. Yeah, that's yeah. it's like a nervous twitch. I've I've constant motion. I'm like I'm like a spade. I just can't stop fucking moving. It's like a yeah, I have that. I don't know if it's all if it's mostly men, but that whole shaking leg syndrome. Like I'm brutal for it. I have a really like really bad sh- like my wife's constant. Would you stop jigging? That's her phrase for it. By the way, yeah. I'm not actually doing a jig. I'm just jigging, and uh, I don't know. I I locked it up to see was it and it's partly it's just. Uh, 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 relaxation thing uh, like I'm at my most comfortable whenever my leg's shaking yeah but if you were to look at me it's like fuck that boy's well nervous yeah but I don't know what it is I've seen a lot of men do it a lot of men shake I don't know I don't know why yeah I always have that thing where I'm I'm really annoying obviously because I'm sort of air drumming when I'm in the car and it obviously freaks people <laughs> yeah. out when you're driving so you have to be <laughs> yeah <laughs> you fucking put your fucking hand away with you but there's this big fill coming how long <laughs> Yeah, especially when you're over at the passenger side door hitting that symbol over there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, I just said you do two podcasts. Technically speaking, you do three. There's a wee, there's a wee secret one, which I, I'm. Oh, fuck a, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm in the club. I'm not, not just gonna, not to be showing off or anything, but there's a wee, there's a wee secret one hiding on on the Patreon, guys. It's, uh, it's like, it's like OnlyFans for people that aren't pretty. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> OnlyFans for the weirdos. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's that was a weird story too because we were doing obviously the whole the whole point the first person the only comedian I ever spoke to about anything conspiracy theory linked was Mickey Bartlett who said to me way back again in the smoking area something about uh the Iraq War or something this is way before this is maybe eight years ago and so I knew he was sort of of that mindset if you want to call it that and that was what we initially started the podcast on and said we'd talk about you know different conspiracy theories and um, like the JFK assassination and but Barlett had a big thing about Kennedy's, he had a big sort of interest in that. And so then we started to do that and then about about eight weeks in or something, then I only then I figured out or, or noticed the Q thing <clears throat> and we started talking about that just to try and figure out what, what the fuck it was because well, nobody still knows what it is. So we were constantly every week trying to figure that out but then somebody, it was only a family member said to me Oh, I love the podcast, but I don't really like when you go into the conspiracy theory stuff. It's just not for me. And so that I shouldn't have done, but it did scare me a bit going, geez, we could lose people that don't really interest in that because it is niche in that sense. Okay. So then I said to them, I said, like, should we maybe do a Patreon episode? Just put it to a dollar because it's only ADP. So it's not, not really a commitment, but just to have separate away from what we call the vanilla podcast. And uh yeah so we did that and it turns out there's a lot of people who are quite (laughs) quite into it um but then we also have the 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 quiz as well so people come in for that but then their patrons as well so it's 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 turned out really well but yeah the 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 other one as you say the, the hidden one is um it's it's tough work each week like because it's so much has happened the last 12 months it's so hard to keep up with yeah i know it's it's nearly that thing um, you guys seem to suffer from the same thing that myself and Jordan do. Whenever we do injury time, 
I swear to God, every time we stop recording, there's like a big sports news story that happens that night. Yeah. And then we're <laughs> yeah. not doing anything for a week. So we're just talking about something oh, that that everybody sick, already knows yeah. about. Yeah. I know you said a few yeah. of those where, was there a point you had to do like extra episodes to be like, look, we literally had to stop and this fucking happened. Yeah, we had to do, <laughs> I think twice we had to do a podcast like within a day or two after the last one, just because of major developments as it would say yeah um but all of it has been a lot of, of most of our stuff because uh trying to trying to figure out what who was running q or what was because it is real people saying it's a real thing but trying to figure out who was behind it and what was the end goal you know what was the end reason for it now obviously i mean if you were looking anywhere in the media you know it's a it's a it's a psychological operation or it's a it's a LARP or something. That may well actually be true. But if it is, it's definitely one that's been run by the US government. And that's a scary, <laughs> scarier than any fucking concept that uh, it's been run directly from them. Because there's there's so many things <clears throat> that you're not reading in the media. If you listen to it, you know the crack yourself. You see, um, like there's so many links, verifiable proof that the Trump and his team were involved in Q. And that, that's, that's, that's the biggest reason for impeachment you'll ever see in your life. Why is he yeah. up for impeachment for that? Instead of trying to remove him from an office he's already been removed from. Yeah. Funny, um, funny enough, one of the things I saw the other day was with all the impeachment stuff and stuff that you guys cover, uh, somebody said, oh, there's lots of people that were Trump supporters that are now kind of disavowing knowing them. I'm just like, who would have thought that billionaires would have just dropped somebody who wasn't going to be good for them politically anymore? Outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only good thing is that thankfully he's gone. And we said that in the podcast because it means now people can still focus on the corruption we all knew about in 2015. But all of a sudden people just forgot about it because they were told Trump was the focus of attention. So everybody's attention for four years was on this billionaire instead of the other billionaires um so i think what happened then with the stock market in regards to the gamestop and nokia and blackberry and stuff that definitely proved again to people that you know maybe it wasn't trump maybe he was telling the truth that the whole thing's rigged for the elites well i mean um, george here george carlin warned us about that years ago he has the ah, bit. what is Jesus, it yeah what is his one uh it's a big party it's and you're a, not invited. It's a, it's a big club and you're not in it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We've been warned about this from before and that was somebody coming from a position of humour. Also, like, yeah. you're... Um, so I listen to Dexter and Yums and I, I also listen to uh, the old Down the Rabbit Hole as well. Is it... See the way... I mean, you guys talked about Q being like a LARP, which is a live-action role-play, if anyone doesn't know. Is it yeah. bad that I kind of... I really enjoy your your second podcast because it's it's entertainment to me. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm very much like yourself where of all the ills happening in the world, I'm just like, right, I've kind of accepted my wee place down here on the bottom, just kind of looking yeah. at what's going on. So it's an entertainment value. Is that weird? Uh, well, it's it's no. I mean, because to us, it's, an, it's like it's voyeurism because there's absolutely nothing you can do to impact it. There's nothing yeah. you can do to change you know, um, all we are just observers. We're just watching, and and the, the the difference is that we're reporting back what we see because we're looking at more than just the mainstream media. So we also report back on what the mainstream media say, but then you also report back on other things. And there is sometimes serious conflicting um, evidence. And 
God forbid, God forbid anybody would ever say that we shouldn't trust the media, but you know, I I just don't think we should trust the media. I think corporate media has been uh, has been a, a bane of our life for 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 decades. Um, if you the most recent one, I suppose, was the Levinson inquiry, 2014-15. I mean, we had them by the fucking balls. Like we had them, hook, line, and sinker, caught at being the most corrupt fuckers in the world. And then all of a sudden, and that's why I'm saying, what's the end game of Q? Because Trump could be playing a role. Because all of a sudden, as soon as he said fake news. The people, us, we all of a sudden went, oh, my God, we need to protect our journalists. The integrity of our journalistic free speech and stuff. We're like, hold on a minute. Last year, we fucking had them up in court <laughs> yeah, for hacking and, and, and doing dubious fucking operations. But that didn't matter because Trump said they were bad. So anything he says, we go the opposite. So thankfully, now when he's gone, we can get back to the point of going, the media is not really reporting the truth to us on a lot of things. I think if you're worried about people be like, oh, this must be a thing of the modern world. I'm like, Orson Welles convinced people via a radio show that the War of the Worlds was real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Using only sound effects and a microphone, he convinced most of the population of the United States that Martians had landed in New Jersey. You know what I mean? So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, so, it's so fascinating. And that's what I, I, the word I keep using to describe it is fascinating because we are just observers. Um, and to be honest, we we're in the minority. Yeah. The people who are observing us, the vast majority, have no idea of what it is. They know what they've been told. Um, you'll know people because they they'll call it QAnon, <laughs> and that's a complete complete made up name by the media. Um, so you should only be talking about Q. Who is Q? What is Q? And who's behind it? They fired out a couple of like fucking, I don't know what you would call them, actors maybe, but the likes of Jim Watkins and these guys that apparently are not only are they running a, a, a chat room from Russia, but they're also taking photographs on Air Force One at the same time. <laughs> You're like, no, them, them two stories don't mix. Yeah. So there's definitely something real about it. So we just, uh, we keep an eye on it. The problem is there has been purposely a load of shit fired into the middle of it which they have done, I'm going to say they, I mean the system has done for fucking throughout time. So then it makes the crazies come out and then the crazies are the only ones who's interviewed. The crazy ones that believe the mad, mad stories are the only ones that actually be asked about it um, because they, they need to rubbish it. But I've yet to see either a mainstream media or a journalist or any of the rest of them actually asking about the money control between the Vatican, Saudi Arabia, and the Rothschilds, which is the key thing behind all this, the central bank system. Is but there, nobody talks about that. See, whenever, obviously, because you're like, when I, when I go off and read about stuff, how do you find the middle ground between, say, what a BBC is telling you, and then that guy who's got 46 subscribers on his YouTube, and he's fucking yeah. nuts? Where's the, yeah, where's the yeah. middle? or how, how, how much do you have to read and go, right, these 10 things are telling me the same story, in 10 completely different slants. Yeah. What's what's the decision? That's the thing. You have to read you have to read them all. And that's the thing. And that's not to say you have to take them all in to believe them. But I the sort of golden rule, <clears throat> as you know, listen to podcasts, we keep saying all the time, follow the money. It's not a cliche to say that money makes the world go round. It absolutely does. So when you follow the money on any story, now sometimes there's a lot of digging to be done. And you know, we've got 
patrons who message interest and let us know it was their expertise in the financial fields and stuff. Um, but usually somewhere along the line, somebody is making money. Whether it be at the moment, if you think about it, somebody's making money in masks, somebody's making money in sanitizer, somebody's making, you know, their overall profit, there's profits to be made at all times out of any situation. So if you could source that back, that cuts out the shite and cuts out the, the, the mad stories and the theories and clones and fucking aliens. And oh, I mean, I've seen some shit over this last year, man. It is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the golden rule to keep you grounded is follow the money. Yeah, well, the one, well, the one I won the point of was actually uh, some uh, a tweet I saw this morning that I want to I want to tell you to to contribute to the podcast was basically when you say follow the money. So uh, I'm actually in my way office here. There's a map of the world just up in front of me. Um, Botswana in Africa yes. has had zero cases, but is one of the the uh, the red zone countries. If you're flying to the UK, you have to p- spend uh, twelve hundred pound to stay in a hotel for two months or two weeks until they let you out. So Botswana, no cases of COVID. Uh, if you're flying to the UK, you have to give them 1,200 quid to stay because uh, it's a red zone country. United States is not a red zone country. 92,000 cases of COVID today. So you're just like, Jeez. oh, so those people can afford to come here. So like, come on in. Because yeah. there's a hotel chain fucking, you know, because that's what they were like, oh, there's been a, there's been a, hotel, a delay on uh, what they're going to do with the hotels. And I was like, are the Tories maybe trying to find out who contributes the most to their fucking campaign? Maybe. To see that's, who's gonna, I mean, who's what, gonna get the, the contract line. That's the thing. You just don't have a clue what's going on. You just sort of watching like there's because that's like I think one of the most common phrases of the last twelve months, especially around the pandemic, is none of this makes sense. And I've heard that from just average Joes in the street and Jane's saying, "This doesn't make any sense to me," you know. And now, as time goes on, then as does happen with the system, the, the fucking matrix, whatever you want to call it, the fucking, the, the powers that be, those then that continue to say it doesn't make any sense are crazy. They're alt-right. They're spreading misinformation. They're doing, you know, instead of maybe just asking some logical questions, uh, but you're not allowed to. Critical thinking's starting to become illegal. I think it's it's the mad thing, obviously, where stuff like this is so maddeningly uh, polarizing. Like I, yeah. I've always been, you know, growing up uh, in a fairly socialist family and being like a wee punk rocker, I would always describe myself as quite left. But like lefty, lefty, lefties are doing my fucking head in. I'm like, well, we, well, a you, common, common thing. Leave people alone. <laughs> yeah, common thing we said in the podcast was if the extreme left and the extreme right could just wipe each other out, <laughs> we'd be all okay. The yeah. sound ones would survive. We could have a wee debate, we could talk things through, but yeah, to cancel somebody's fucking entire career or to completely judge somebody on their, their, their skin colour or any that sort of shit, I mean, it needs to be removed. Like, I don't know how it's to be done, but it needs to be um, on both sides. I don't know. Honestly, I think it's a... To me, it feels like a common sense thing. Or, I mean, South Park did the brilliant... Uh, obviously, have lots of brilliant social commentary, but they did a great one where it was basically about the nuance of a situation. Yeah, it is not to to give it a, to give it a, a a sort of a phrase that I'll get cancelled for. It's not black or white. Do you know what I mean? There, yeah. we we have. I remember. Calls, I so. used I used to love I used to love Chris Rock's bit about that about the uh, about the guy who got sacked from Grey's Anatomy for saying the word faggot. And then you know context applies. You know what I mean? And he goes through the whole. And I love that. I always love that because that is true. I mean, when it comes to somebody saying you're being racist, I mean, context really really applies. Yeah. Um, you know, um, 
my 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 brother-in-law is black, for instance, but I would constantly slag him about it. But I'm not being racist. Yeah. And that, you know what I mean? In that sense, I mean it's in and he, he obviously slags me or whatever, but um it's it's denying him the opportunity for a job or a vote or or you know, that is racism. That I suppose that's your institutional racism. Yeah. But to then to do it out of context, like some of the things I would say to him, I could never ever repeat to anybody else. <laughs> And the same thing for him to me because it's that mutual respect and that sort of understanding. But you, context has to be applied to it. So, and that's where you find because there's a big discussion going on now: what's direct racism and indirect racism? And um, and Tommy Tiernan used to say, Tommy Tiernan used to say, are, are we racist or we're we just having the crack? <laughs> you know, it's, and uh, but I just think there's 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 nuances is the best way of describing it. Maybe as you say, it's just there's so many little details to it. Like. I used to do, I used to do a bit when I was abroad and people would say, you know, are Irish people racist? I'm just like, we're not racist. We're ignorant. We're too stupid to be racist. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a weird one because I mean, we, we're the perfect example of, of, and this is the thing, uh, we, as, as a, as an island, we've become very American and that's not just recently, that's maybe in my lifetime. Yeah. And America can only, I was over there teaching a class uh, uh, like a, for a community project teaching this group of black kids in Boston who were um, basically had been failing in the school system didn't really take part but this wasn't like a detention thing but it was like we also can't have you on the streets so this was like a black led um, program by just local black community leaders so they asked me then because I at the time I was working with travellers would I give a talk on the cultural thing of travellers in Ireland to the, the the class and i'm not joking man you had to see the the the, the confusion and initially disbelief um that any white person would be treated any differently than anybody else they'd never to them oppression was only skin color yeah whereas we know oppression can be based on religion can be based on your cultural identity can be whatever the case we're we're i think i say to my kids all the time i think we're the best trained fuckers in the world to understand what actually like the likes of oppression and um, sectarianism, discrimination, all those things, we we've learned that they have no idea. They only see racism, and that's it. Um, and reality is, we all should see rich and poor. <laughs> that should yeah. be what we should be looking at. Um, but we don't. We're divided into so many subsections, and you know. But yeah, they they cannot see past, the, and they could not understand that there may be a white person facing discrimination. And then just because I knew it would blow their mind, I showed a photograph from Derry in the 70s, which was two British soldiers um, taking a guy by the arm um, and had blood busting from his head and both soldiers are holding batons and one of the soldiers is black. Yeah. And showing them this photograph and it fucking blew their mind because they couldn't see past the oppression has to be only based on skin color. And you're saying, well, oppression can be in loads of forms, and it's not just skin color. Um, so they were, they, yeah, that was that was an interesting thing. But that's why we are so sort of maybe confused about what's going on because we've become so American. We'll take on that, um, you know, Anoma, for instance. There was a Black Lives Matter protest, and the first fellow was there by himself for a right while. Um, 
you know, because we're in the north and we we understand protests, we understand what's going on, and I just don't think socially it, the support was there for it, you know, in that sense. And that's not to say the actual statement isn't true. It's just yeah. there wasn't actually a, a case or a movement here, and yet you can't feel bad about that. That's just a rural town in Ireland. What do you expect to you know happen? Yeah. Well, well, no, I said a thing about that where I was kind of pointing out where. I basically just said, look, I've met people from all over the world. There's good people, there's arseholes. I've experienced loads of different cultures. I've met some fucking fantastic people. And I was just like, so I consider myself by probably leaving my little village and getting out of my little microcosm and being a bit more worldly about the whole thing. I was just like, yeah, I'd hopefully say, uh, apart from a, part, uh, a few fucking poorly placed jokes, I would like to think of myself as, as not being a racist. And then with all the protests that happened, somebody said to me, not being racist isn't enough anymore. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, if everybody wasn't a racist, then we wouldn't have racism. Why? Where are you getting? What the fuck? Yeah, it's a. Uh... And again, back to I mean, uh, if 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 you're looking at Ireland, um, if you look at the North, just I mean, we have very very tight um, legislation in place in regards to discrimination. You know, we uh, we would have a lot more than what America has. Yeah. Um, you know, and I do believe we have come leaps and bounds in the last 50 years. Um, and we don't give ourselves credit for it, I don't believe. Um, even this lockdown, I, I am fucking shocked at how well behaved we've been. Yeah. For a society that would riot if you were told you weren't allowed to go left down that road. <laughs> I thought we have done a fucking pretty good job. Like everybody has done a really staying in and doing, you know. So I, I think we're harding ourselves sometimes. And I think, yeah. you know, I, I think we're, we're much better than we think. I love seeing the stuff. I mean, you, you do a lot of community work. I think it's been brilliant. The community organizations, the sports clubs, the, the people who are their own communities have been reaching out to help people. There's been, you know, food parcel deliveries, uh, you know, kind of young, fed, healthy people who are able to go to the shops and deliver stuff to their elderly yeah. neighbors. It has been a great sense of community and it's um it's been massive it's been unreal the sports clubs especially the ga's played a massive role here as well along and even with the, the sort of local soccer clubs and the uh, and the rugby clubs but massive and uh again we don't give ourselves enough credit i, I don't i genuinely don't believe that and i think I, I i genuinely believe that falls down from the leadership above um if they're constantly bickering well we're going to be constantly bickering yeah and that's just you know instead of actually looking and embracing the things that are are positive with us well, we have the, as, as much positive as much positivity as you can find the fucking pandemic but, you know, like, but. yeah yeah it's uh, as you say well, i mean where we're from as well people are genuinely quite hard on themselves anyway i think that's probably why yeah it's um one of the probably the biggest obstacles i'd say for a lot of us even getting started in comedy was oh, i'm not i'm not too sure but fucking sticking my head above the pile here <laughs> you know I mean? yeah because you know why it's because that's why i say probably we're one of the safest places in the, in the world in the sense that these six counties were so tribal. Like, everybody knows everybody. And if you don't know everybody, you know them by at least three degrees. Just, you know somebody, you know somebody. Yeah. And so, like, we <laughs> we are kind of, like, if you think about it, if you think of the rest of the UK, if you think of the cities, if you think of Belfast compared to, say, Manchester or Glasgow or London, you know, Belfast is relatively safe in comparison. Like, I mean, we don't have serious like rips or muggins or, or stabbings. And if they are, they're very low numbers. But again, we keep telling ourselves we're 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 a bad place, but we're not. I think we're really good fucking good people. 
Do you think it's um? I put up a joke the other day. It basically said the only way we're gonna have peace in Northern Ireland is if we cancel Nolan. <laughs> oh man, do you think Jesus. it's? Do you think it's the neck? Because I mean, negativity negativity gets ratings the same way as if you watch the evening news. Like as you like as you said, I pretty much just stopped watching the six o'clock news because it's fucking death destruction. And then I walk outside my door and take my dogs for a walk and say hello to my neighbors. And yeah, I mean, if you were anyway in the conspiracy theory minded, considering you know how the media operates, and don't forget, this is the other thing people forget too. BBC is state TV. Yeah. So North Korea has state TV, which is mandatory. So do we. If you don't pay your TV license, you could go to jail. Yeah. Um. So we have mandatory state TV. So that's the first thing. So sometimes you look at that and go, does that mean Stephen Nolan's an agent of the state? Not necessarily, but you also couldn't rule it out. I mean, because his fucking TV show basically, or his radio show, more or less dictates the narrative of this country. Because what he does with the politicians, the way he shifts them and pushes them. And my question would always be, it's never Stephen Nolan. He's just the personality. But who's the production team and who's the news editor that sort of decides on the angle to go on? And a good example of that is the RHA scheme. Do you remember RHA and uh, the whole big fucking uh, real, there was a real big sort of announcement from Nolan that his team has been put, you know, we're working on this for two weeks and we've been working weekends and we've been overtime and all this sort of stuff. And we're, we've got this big reveal. And, so, and, and his, in fairness to him, his radio show broke the news and the, the, the scheme was obviously being manipulated and blah, blah, blah. And, you, and we know the rest. But the RHA scheme was a, a UK-wide scheme. And the the 490 million that, that was alleged to be um, squandered by the North, the Drax power plant in York squandered 495 million, part of the scheme. So which was more than the whole North combined of one power plant in the UK, and there wasn't a word about it. So the question is, if, it's, if it actually is the BBC, as in the British Broadcasting Corporation, why was Nolan's show only focusing on the northern version of this programme when it could have been done Scotland, England and Wales as well? So there was never an answer to that. You know, you always just got, we have the exclusive, but the same scheme seems to have been manipulated by everybody across the UK, but not a word anywhere else. One of the things I've, I've noticed from living abroad is whenever you, whenever you go different places, you'll... Everyone has their local news, and then there'll be like a there'll be world services as well. One of the weird things I noticed from living abroad, from watching TV in like Australia or Canada or something, is the BBC here obviously have you know their fucking death destruction of bad news. The BBC World Service, I think, is all. Right. No, did you ever watch that? Yeah, I'm like, this <laughs> so is actually po- quite good. So positive, oh, yeah, yes, because that's what it is. It's portraying the message of positivity, but then keeping the plebs controlled by going the other way and by, by depressing the fucking life out of them. Yeah, so I, I just noticed the difference. There is a massive difference between the BBC and the BBC World Service because you're just yeah, watching that somewhere else in the world. And really weirdly as well, because I, I have it on my Virgin Box, one of the things that for actually decent, accurate reporting, something that I, I never thought of because it's always portrayed in on our like BBC or American media as... I used to think it was like a mouthpiece for um, basically where ISIS sent their videos or uh, you know Al-Qaeda sent their videos. Did you ever watch the Al Jazeera news channel? Yeah, yeah. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. So is, and so is and and so is Russia today as well. Yeah. RT. Yeah. They're um again, they're all they're all part of the same 
conglomerate, if you want to call it that. But yeah. at least uh, Al Jazeera and, and RT are definitely nowhere near as censored as the BBC and Sky is. Um, yeah. Because it's it's brutal bad, like really bad. But again, it's back to that thing, who, who makes those decisions? And then you're into the conversations that sometimes we have about intelligence agencies because people always forget to talk about these guys, but they are the most important thing to make this planet operate, whether it's CIA or MI6 or Mossad or any of those other agencies. They're all very, very powerful people. And as always, nobody talks about them. Talk about everything but. <laughs> one, of, one of the funniest ones I had was whenever I... Um, uh... Whenever I got my new phone, I went down to uh, another comedian we know uh, who who uh, sorts sorts me out with my phone every every now and again. Uh, another Terry, nice lad. He basically uh-huh. said, uh, "Look, this is the new Huawei phone." So obviously, there's a big fucking kick up about them in the states, and yeah, I think you can't buy in yeah. the states, and they, they won't Google won't update their store. So if you can buy a new phone, you can't update your apps. Because I I had a Huawei phone for years, and I was like, "That's that's a good camera." I used it for my travel photos and stuff. I says. He's like, probably take the Samsung because you won't be able to update the Huawei. And then I was like, what the fuck? And he says, well, this is the one that, you know, because Huawei is from China. So the Chinese or, or government are listening to you. And I was like, every phone's listening to me for fuck's sake. I've, just, I, I've, been, I've been talking to you for half an hour. My phone just beeped with a Twitter notification that Joe Biden's put out a new tweet. <laughs> and I was, like, uh... I was like, if the Chinese are listening to me, I ho- or if they're they're looking at my phone, I hope they really like GAA and weird porn. Good, fair play. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 the whole things that we but strange corporations um, have serious power, but we don't we we end up focusing on on government that don't really have the power. Yeah, I think it's sort of the stuff where it's like if you if you look at the Republic but, of Ireland, where they're like, right, I'd say a good ten billion would sort out the country. Apple owes you thirteen billion in taxes. No, we're not gonna we're not going after them for that one. <laughs> I seen a thing. I seen a thing on one on a mad mental website that it was just a headline. I thought that's the best headline I've ever read, and it just said, "Ireland is a company registered in Washington D.C." Like the the word, like Ireland as a country is registered as a as a as a as a national company in Washington D.C. And I was like, "What?" And then you look at then you look at Apple and the rest. You're going, "Well, fuck!" And that would make sense. It's the way they didn't have to pay no money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I mean, as I said, there's loads of mad shit out there. So um, some of the things me and Mickey go through, as you say, from week to week, you're like, okay, last week what we said was this, but actually what we found out is this, you know, and things are changing all the time. And it's it's a it's a tsunami of, of information, which includes misinformation on purpose to try and distract you away. So um, one thing we always say, and I, I've said this all the time, is we do not know. And if you follow that line, because now, unfortunately, whenever you talk to people, say about coronavirus or um, the pandemic or the approaches and things like that, they know, they know, you know, <laughs> we're like, we don't know for sure anything. We, we genuinely don't. So we try and go by our own common sense sometimes, um, abide by the rules and do what you're told. But by every means, at least question it, at least research it, look into it and see yourself without just relying on the six o'clock news to give you the headlines and away you yeah. go because they're just headlines are basically just you know they're just clickbait you know except just a visual version <laughs> yeah I, I think from that it's um at present i've been i've been trying not to talk about it too much on the podcast because i mean when i'm talking to other comedians i'm like how you keeping like i i was sort of i randomly text boys that i would play a hurling with or lads i would do gigs with just to be like 
hi Keeping, you know, you all right? Because people text me and I'm like, how are you getting on? I'm like, I'm losing my fucking mind. What about you? Uh, well, I was going to say, now you've got me on, now your fucking head's fried. <laughs> no, I'm all right. You're, you're not a head fryer, Keezy, so you're okay. But Fuck, I don't see, know about that. I, I, like, I, I, I don't want to, folks, I don't want to give away basically the uh, enjoyment of Keezy's podcast. So go check out Deck Turn Yums, which is the first one, which is which is the, the vanilla podcast as the boys jacket. And if you're into it, and if you fancy a bit of a laugh, get yourselves on the Patreon, throw the boys a few dollars for the month. Or whatever it works out in pounds, I think. Well, I can't what yeah, well, we, we we put at the minimum one dollar, so it's eighty one p or eighty two p. But that's where you get the yeah. that's that's where you get the video. The video is now exclusive to Patreon, so yeah. we're, we're now video live. Yeah. What I wanted to say was uh, before I let you go with the two podcasts. Whenever you're reading through stuff, so obviously there's a lot of a lot of death and destruction and all that sort of stuff. Um, from the kind of conspiracy point, what's been the what's been the most fun or mad shit that you found yourself? I mean. Is there anything that get makes um because I'm sure you you can read into and find out stuff about anything. Is there anything that just makes you laugh straight off the bat? Uh I I I do I do love um some of the mad moon theories. Oh like, okay. Oh really crazy. Like I don't obviously don't believe any a single one of them, but some of them are so mental. I just love them. I just love this whole idea that I don't know if you know have you ever heard any of the sort of moon sort of mad theories no um well is it made of cheese uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh oh there's so much shit on it it's fucking unbelievable that, that's I do, basically I, where the the earth observation command center is oh okay um, for who for yeah. who uh for the uh for the alliance for the earth alliance uh, do you know but you don't know about the earth alliance no is this like starfleet um, it's sort of like that. They seem to have. Um, there's also the dark side of the moon theory of that on the other side is completely heavily populated with ET bases. You didn't know that about you? I, I just um, thought it was a Pink Floyd album. There you go. <laughs> what was the other line about it? Uh, uh, oh, yes, it was artific- artificially placed into Earth's orbit 500,000 years ago. Right. Somebody towed it in there. Oh, I think it was just a JCB just took it in on the on the dumper truck. Just <laughs> I swear to God, man, there's so much shit out there. But my fear is in all of this, and and the serious note is that the system, whatever you want to call it, the system needs to have control. And at the moment, the only last freedom of speech available is the internet. And I, my fear is, if you go take a nice wee call back to Q, and what does it mean? Is is it a tool to get excuses to control the internet and to censor a lot of things? And I think then the more madness like that, the more madness of because we've all heard. I mean, back to David Icke and the fucking Terry Wogan in the eighties when he's talking about the lizards and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think it's getting to the point where it's going to give. Not just the system, because the system can't do it by itself. It needs to have the public support. And there's so many people in the public now are going, these fucking lunatics, or blah, 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 that they'll actually agree to it. They'll agree to a, a, an internet being controlled by the system, whatever system, when the system usually is a mixture of corporations and government. And that's not good. You know, oh, this, um, is, this is the turkeys voting for Christmas, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 they do it in such a, a a smart way. But those stories, I like even just even just saying them out loud is you know it, it's fun, it's entertainment. It's not 
I mean, by saying those things or by trying to say that you believe there's there's fucking uh, what was the other thing I've got them I had them written down here? Oh, that there's crystalline towers and glass domes on the moon. What damage does that do to anybody apart from people going, "You're a bit fucking nuts," you know? There's Very you're, you're not, you're not, like that. Yeah, you're not going to the moon. You're not going to go and make a, an attempt to get there. You're not doing anything, you know. Yeah. So I think they're relatively harmless, but I, I believe they're going to use it as an excuse to to come up with. They've tried for a while. It's, it's called the Net Neutrality Act. They've tried for a while to bring it in, which means they have control over things. And the usual thing they use is porn. That's the excuse they use. We need to get rid of this damage in porn. But now it'll be, we need to get rid of these damaging conspiracy theories. Yeah, I get rid of my damage in porn all the time. You just delete your internet history. That's like, what's the... Yeah, cookies, gone. Yeah, <laughs> I ate all them. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, thing... that's the name of the porn star. That's the name of the porn star you're watching, Cookie. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> easy. I mean, I was hoping to leave it on something lighthearted, but fuck me. Um, right, so, Connor, if we're, if we're, <laughs> here's the thing, though, if we're looking for you, you're a man of mystery, where, where are you actually available? Because I know you've deleted your Facebook and stuff. Not that people should be fucking adding people on Facebook. They don't know them. That's weird. Does happen. Uh, yeah, I got, a, I, I got out of that last March, maybe just from the start of lockdown. I just, I foreseen what was coming, <laughs> and thank fuck I did. Um... I, I, I'm not anywhere. I'm, well, I'm on Instagram. The, the things on Instagram, but that's usually just for the podcast. So you can, you can sort of tag us there or whatever, but that's it. I will, I'll tag you in this. So if you see this tag on the old uh, Instagram when I post up about the story, give uh, give Casey a wee like there. The, um, I know there's there's one of the things about like coming off Facebook where I say this every podcast. If I could get to a level of comedy where I had like a wee media manager that did all that and I didn't have to fucking worry about it, it'd be great. Because I'm like, I want to yeah, delete all this shit. Like, and they realize that I'm advertising my comedy club. Yeah. I, like, I've got their own pages. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Well, Mickey had said that for a long time, saying that the only reason he's social media is because he wants to, because he's a comedian, you have to keep it up. Yeah. Um, I've never been I've never been into the video end of things anyway. I genuinely see myself as a club comic. And I, I don't really do it anywhere else. Yeah. That's why, I don't do, that's why I don't do Zoom things. I don't do videos. I don't, you know, and I should be. I'm losing out by not doing it. You know, I'm 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 at it longer than some of the other guys like yourself, but you do feel the 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 brunt of being left behind by not doing it. But I don't know. I just love the art. I love the art of it, and I love the the, the environment of a club. And uh, can't fucking wait looking back. I know. Let's let's get ourselves organized. I wonder. I wonder will we all stop doing podcasts when we've loads of gigs again? <laughs> I have wondered about that because obviously we're going to be faced with a serious difficulty with Bartlett being the only proper, maybe professional comedian amongst us who's constantly traveling yeah. um, for work. So, I mean, some of his uh, England trips mightn't be too bad to deal with, but if he's hitting Australia for six weeks, it's going to be difficult. So I don't know how it's going to fare out. Yeah, I don't I don't think your, your podcast, as I said when I was telling you earlier, when you've got a podcast with two comedians on you need to be in the same fucking room looking at each other you can't do it over the phone uh, you can't do it over zoom because there's even that slight delay of timing and add-ons and you know bump ups and extra bits you're doing on the jokes it doesn't work so it's uh, it's very no. difficult and hopefully you won't have to do that but at that point we'll hopefully all be in loads of fucking gigs so it'll be fine so, i can't wait for a music gig that's the first just to be an audience member of a music concert and go fucking playing mad yeah i think the, la- la- I the last gig I, I went to was last february and if you know anything about me and gigs i would be at maybe fuck i would try and get to a gig maybe once or twice a month at least yeah i would have been the same for a while there and that's that's yeah i'm missing it badly 
I'll be fine. I need sport to come back to, like, because I I can't replace comedy. Well, I could do I could do without sport. <laughs> well, it was just to keep me fucking sane. I tra- I trained flat out last summer with the new team, and it was great. It was. Nice. Do you know what it was? Re- do you know what was really weird? Making new friends when you're thirty five. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I well, I, I kind of had that when I turned thirty because I started cooking stand up. Yeah, that's true as well. Meeting meet new people, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Hey, it's a weird one, isn't it? No, and are you? I take it you're one. I take it you're one of the elders of the team. Uh, yes, but not the not the eldest one of, but not right. the eldest one of. But um, I think that the best thing about it is, um, as long as we can keep agreeing that this is weird, I don't want this. You you talk about it in the podcast about the new normal. I don't want no. this ever to be normality. This is shite. No, uh, you know, fucking can't. One of the worst things as well is even in work, people must think I'm a right cheeky bastard because they can't see me smiling at them when I'm slagging them. Yeah, you just see these <laughs> fucking wrinkly eyes. No. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. no. Or, or just not recognizing people. I yeah. live in a small town. Uh, even like as recently as yesterday, it happened like three times. Someone's like, all right, Keith. And I'm like, oh, all right. And I haven't a clue who they are. And then when they leave the shop and they take the mask off, I'm like, oh, Jesus. I fucking know you. But I haven't a clue. I'm fuck, it's, it's so awful. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm, um, I was, I was going to say, you're not too bad because at least you're at home with a, with a hairdresser. I'm considering bringing back the Mohawk because this... This Darth Vader fucking helmet of her thing that's going on is not suiting me like so. What well, a ginger about? mohawk, a ginger mohawk would be a statement, definitely. I, I had it last year; it was grand. <laughs> I don't know if it's a statement you'd want to make, but I mean, it's a statement nonetheless. I mean, I'm, I'm here. Like, look, I'm a stand-up comedian and an attention-seeking middle child. There's nothing I won't. Do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the narcissism flows well on us all. <laughs> <laughs> No problem. Uh, Keezy, I will let you back free to, to the rest of your life. Now, um, folks, if you want to check Get out man. Connor and uh, Mickey's podcast. So Connor's podcast is the best of the best, which he records with the very funny Ronnie Boyle. And then... No, Ronan Mullen. No, sorry, Ronnie Boyle is in Strabane. <laughs> Ronan people, Mullen, yeah. There's too many people in Tyrone called Ronan anyway. <laughs> there's too many Ronans, I know, I know. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Ronan Mullen is uh, on you with the best of the best. And then you're on with Mickey Bartlett and Dak Churn Yums. If people are into the Dak Churn Yums, go and check out the boys on Patreon as well. Is it, It's just Dak Churn Yums Patreon, yes? Yeah, Dak Churn Yums on Patreon. That's where the video is as well of the podcast, yes, which actually turns, uh, turns out it's much better than listening audio because uh, our facial expressions <laughs> are adding to the part. Like. Yeah, you can actually see what fucking Bartlett's up to. Because, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, what we would describe as jokes that aren't any good on radio. So... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and those fucking cartoon eyebrows that he has Absolutely. when he gets really into something is uh, yeah, it's a sight to behold. So yes, folks, go and check out the boys on Patreon. Just type in Dexter and Yums. Throw the boys a couple of dollars. Give it a few episodes. See how you like it. And like I'm sure, like myself, you'll be all hooked in for a bit of crack. And uh, you might learn something, or at least get a bit of fucking entertainment when you're out walking the dogs, like I do. <laughs> no problem, Connor Keys. Thank you very much for coming on today, man. Darn, Mazzy, thank you very much for having me on. It's been great. Thank you. All right. Stay safe. Uh, I don't know. I'm just. I'm trying to think of like. There's. There's no way to sign off for because uh, the news just keeps going. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Uh, don't. Don't lick anybody. <laughs> so, well, I just beware of the fat fuckers from Fermanagh. Yeah, that's always. Uh, that's the golden rule. If you do that, everything else will be fine. Exactly. Because if they don't show up, you get a medal. Connor Case. See you later, mama. Champion. <laughs>